Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey, all right. Welcome to episode 59 of Grow Bud Yourself podcast. Uh, We have a great show for you guys today. Uh, First, we're speaking with attorney, advisor, and advocate Christina Bicola about uh, cannabis laws, social equity, home growing rights, and much more. Our interview is with uh, entrepreneur Earl Carruthers. He's the owner of the Cannabis Therapy Network and the Homegrown Weed Summit. Uh, Our cultivation segment features our strain of the fortnight. Uh, I'm going to be talking about transplanting your weed plants. And plus, we have Grow Q&A. So stick around. Episode number 59 of Grow Bud Yourself brought to you by Rocket Seeds, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, and Excelsior Extracts. Coming at you. Hey, you guys, I really want to thank our sponsors from Excelsior Extracts. These are great friends of the show, uh, great friends of mine for many years, incredible growers, incredible people, and they have made some incredible products as well, including their THC-infused pain rub. And you know it works because you're talking about people who are real, true cannabis medical patients that are making this. Just want to shout out Outcast and, and uh, TOH. Check them out on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. Excelsior Extracts. DM them if you're interested in trying out that pain relief rub. Tell them Grow Bud Yourself sent you. And uh, yeah, man, thank you to uh, T and O from Excelsior for sponsoring the show and being just such great friends and supporters. All right, welcome back. And as always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the strong, strong tune, man. I love it. It gets in my head. Pinsky said he's been singing it and whistling it since, uh, since his episode. It's an earworm, right? Indeed. Yes. Well, welcome to episode 59, Grow Bud Yourself. He's Danny Danko. Uh, I'm Mike G, and, and we're really happy that you joined us this week. Yes. And what does 59 mean to you, Mike? 59. Well, you know, it makes me think of the, uh, the great linebacker or former linebacker for the Carolina Panthers, Luke Keekley, who uh, retired while he was still in his 20s because he suffered uh, just a, a, a number of concussions and the head injuries were too much. And he's someone I think probably could have benefited a great deal from medicinal marijuana. But uh, shout out to Luke Keekley, great player and um, number 59. Wow. Yes, indeed. There you go. And while we're talking about numbers, we should also just say really quickly that um, that Virginia goes legal July 1st. So next week, uh, Virginia, it's going to be legal for adults 21 and older to possess uh, up to an ounce of cannabis in Virginia. That's amazing. Shout outs to Virginia, man. That's that's awesome. That happened yeah. quick, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's all happening very quick. I mean, look at Connecticut, New Jersey and all the rest. It's like, you know, it's a it's. It's an avalanche. Yeah, it's been a big year for uh, for pot law reform. You know what it looks like to me? 
like a house of cards that's falling, you know, mm-hmm. and each of these yeah. cards. And after a while, it's just, it's, that's it. The, the whole thing comes down. It's, it's, you know, it, that's wouldn't that it's, be it's, wonderful? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think that's the direction we're headed and the end of cannabis prohibition nationwide and then hopefully worldwide. Yeah, man. It was pointed out actually that Connecticut, um, the the Senate passed the legalization bill on the 50th anniversary of Richard Nixon declaring war on drugs. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But we we actually uh, have a really interesting interview that we want to bring up in the uh, in the introduction portion of the show that gets into a little bit of uh, state cannabis law and equity programs and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean. If you want to know about law, you want to talk to a lawyer, right? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it seems like a no-brainer. A lot of people avoid talking to their lawyers until it's too late. Uh, But I think it's important to just talk to lawyers all the time and find out what's really going on. And they're the only ones that really know the rules of the game. (laughs) We're all playing the same game, but they know the rules. They have the rules. Yeah. It's like a, a secret language that only a few people speak. And, uh, but fortunately, we, we know a lawyer and, and, and enjoys the podcast, so we decided to have her on and, and uh, hip us to some of this stuff. Yes, absolutely. We uh, are very excited to speak with uh, Christina Bucola, uh, an, a New York lawyer who's also licensed to practice in a number of other states, about the laws, how they're changing, uh, what that means for social equity, expungement of criminal records. And one thing we're all concerned about home grow mm-hmm. <laughs> rights to home grow. How many plants can we grow? When can we grow them? Uh, and, uh, all the rest. So I would say without further ado, let's speak with Christina. All right, we're back uh, and speaking with Christina Bucola. She is an attorney, advisor, and advocate. Um, full disclosure, she was the general counsel of High Times when we were there as well. And uh, basically a cannabis lawyer, <laughs> to put it in simpler terms, uh, here in New York. And we wanted to talk to Christina about uh, some of the laws and equity and home grow and consumption and all of it. So welcome, Christina. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, it's our pleasure. And uh, so tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, your work uh, with New York's law and the legalization efforts that occurred and, and, and what you were a part of as, a, as, a, as an attorney working on. Sure. Sure. Um, so I am in private practice, but uh, about half of my practice is dedicated to um, things that don't pay me, but that are important to me, to my practice, um, and to the communities that I hope to to uh, represent and service as clients. Um, and so for the last couple of years, I've been fortunate enough to, to work as part of the Start Smart Alliance um, that was convened by the Drug Policy Alliance. Um, and they were instrumental in having the um, MRTA, also known as MRTA, which is, stands for the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act that passed earlier this year in New York. Um, and, and I was able to draw upon my experiences across a wide variety of states. I'm not only licensed to practice in New York, um, I'm licensed in Massachusetts, New Jersey, Oregon, and Illinois as well. And through experiences in, in states with more robust programs that have developed, 
um, I had some things to say about the way New York's program um, was rolled out, particularly because I saw uh, some real shortcomings in other, and, and others did too. This isn't, certainly is not, you know, something that was original to me. Um, but I could speak to it because I had had that experience. And it's been really exciting to participate in that way. Awesome. And uh, the New York law, a lot of people were, were very surprised by uh, how much advocates were able to uh, get, um, you know, successfully into that law. Uh, and I guess some of that had to do with Cuomo's troubles <laughs> in wanting to turn the page on some of his issues, I'd imagine. But his, his loss was our gain, I believe, uh, in how that turned out. I mean, there's uh, home grow rights. Yeah. There, there's uh, consumption lounges that will eventually be open. There's dispensaries and there's social equity. I mean, I know some of those things don't kick in yet and there's a lot of confusion about uh, those subjects, but can you sort of enlighten us a little bit legally on what's allowed and not allowed and all of that? Absolutely. So I like to kind of divide up this timeline and we start with what is allowed right now, what is allowed since um, the bill passed. And that is uh, possession and consumption. So let's talk about um, how much you can possess. You can possess, an individual can possess up to three ounces of flour and 24 grams of concentrate. Um, and that is now completely legal. Um, individuals are also allowed to consume cannabis in most places, and I underscore the word most, most places that people are allowed to uh, smoke cigarettes. Um, you are not, however, allowed, you might be allowed to smoke a cigarette in your car. You are not allowed to smoke cannabis in your car or use cannabis in your car. Um, there might be certain kinds of membership clubs or cigar bars where that have been grandfathered in where one might be able to smoke uh, cigars or uh, tobacco, um, those also are excluded. Um, and so then when particularly of interest to uh, the listeners here, um, as you mentioned, New York has allowed home grow. And so the number of plants that adults can grow uh, are six total with three mature and three immature plants. And any individual household can max out on 10, 12 plants, and that would be six mature, six um, immature plants. Um, on site, you can have up to five pounds of cannabis, but not yet. So when does this go into effect? So for medical patients, patients in New York State that have their card will be able to start growing their plants um, or, or their caregivers six months after the law is passed. Um, which is the latest. Now, in the law, it says this board called the Office of the Office of Cannabis Management needs to be formed in order to set the rules around home grow. That office has not been formed yet, right? And so that is that is a gating item to getting um, these home grow laws in place for patients. So at the at the latest, it's supposed to be six months after the law has been passed. But we're now, the law was passed at the end of March. <laughs> it's now the end of June. Um, there is no board. Is it possible that this is going to happen um, by that, the time frame stipulated? Yes. Would I be shocked if it were delayed? No. Um, now, everybody else who is an adult over 21 years of age and is not a patient will be able to also grow cannabis. But 
they will have to wait until 18 months after the first legal adult cannabis sales are held in New York State. So that we have that's a much longer timeout, right? Because in addition to the OCM, the Office of Cannabis Management being formed, we also need uh, the Cannabis Control Board, which is a five-person board formed, right? And these two bodies, along with an advisory committee, um, really fill out those regulations and those rules. And they make it possible to have an application. So adults who are not medical patients who would like to grow are probably going to be waiting for a long time. Um, and then let's talk about the licensure. When is that going to be available? People have been saying as early as late October. I think it's more, you know, at the very end of this year. Um, I expect it to be a competitive process. So um, I cannot underscore the importance of these regulatory bodies and um, boards that are, are and their importance to the overall rollout of the program. And so much hinges not only on what they say, but when they're actually formed. Yeah. So people should know this before they just start jumping into the industry and thinking that, you know, things are right around the corner because there's, there's some delays and some and a serious uh, bureaucratic process that has to be gone through. And that bureaucracy hasn't even been built yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's true. It hasn't uh, even been built. But uh, yeah, I mean, speaking for the, 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 the region, the Connecticut law just passed uh, as well and New Jersey. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, what's your take on how, you know, those those programs have involved social equity and funding? Yeah. It would be great before you uh, you get into the specifics. If you could just briefly explain to our listeners who may not uh, understand what social equity is intended to accomplish, uh, that might be helpful. So social equity is intended to look at um, structural issues um, of giving people access to cannabis, but also looking at the war on drugs and those communities who have suffered most and saying, hey, um, this is these individuals should be absolutely given an opportunity to participate in the new cannabis industry. And I do want to draw a distinction here because I think it's really, really, really important. And that is when we talk about social equity, um, there's a, a, a concept that uh, runs alongside of it, but it isn't the same thing. And that is community reinvestment, right? Because that looks at, hey, wait, now there are people who this is a completely legalized industry, and yet this has torn up families, this has destroyed communities, this has really impacted people in the most negative way. It was literally a war waged against them, and they should be able to participate in the tax revenue, even if they don't want to participate in the cannabis industry, right? And so when we talk about social equity, um, in most circles, it means helping those individuals that have been impacted by the war on drugs, that have been marginalized, that haven't been represented in, um, in business, and putting them forth and encouraging these individuals to participate in the new industry. Whereas community reinvestment is, has everything to do with tax revenue and is not cannabis-oriented. Nobody is getting training so that they can then work at the latest, fastest growth. But they might be getting training for a job that they want, or they might be getting healthcare services for their family. It is um, cannabis 
the funds are cannabis in origin, but their output isn't. Um, and so there are times when, and many times when those concepts um, get convoluted together and that they, you'll, you'll see this, that people are very pro-social equity or they're pro-programs that put individuals who have been disproportionately impacted into cannabis. And I don't, you know, that, that to me is, and it's not to say people aren't interested in the ones that are, should absolutely have access to this, but that's, you know, the ones that aren't should still be able to participate as well. And one of the things that really sets New York apart, a couple of things that really set New York apart, um, is that there was a community reinvestment fund that allocates 40% of the tax revenue to um, the kinds of services, uh, community services and needs that we've, we've discussed that isn't cannabis in origin or, or in nature. And that is huge. Um, and what we've also, the other thing that's incredibly interesting is that New York has set a target of issuing 50% of its licenses to those social and economic um, equity applicants. Now, that group of people is cast as a very wide net in New York. That group of people includes um, individuals from minority communities, uh, disadvantaged farmers, disabled veterans, um, women, um, and then extra people who have been impacted by the war on drugs, but people who have been impacted by the war on drugs who come from communities that um, have been disproportionately impacted or they have a they themselves have been incarcerated or they have a family member who has um, there will be extra priority given to those applications when the time comes. Um, and so what does extra priority look like? I think that in New York State, that could very well look like exclusivity um, timing for certain um, social equity applicants, um, given like we're seeing in Massachusetts right now with the delivery licenses, which I think is one of the hottest licenses, totally obsessed with it. Um, and so it will be, again, the, uh, the other individual who's going to be extraordinarily important in developing the equity program, who also is yet to be identified, is the director um, of social equity uh, who sits at, in the Office of Cannabis Management. And so that's another really important person that we're looking to. Um, but these are two ways that I think New York, well, there's another huge way that New York stands out. Oh, my God, as I'm talking through this with you. It's, it's, and this also speaks to, to justice and how this is a justice bill. In many other states, we've seen that, you know, only the most moneyed players can really participate because um, either vertical integration is required or is allowed, right? And New York takes some really affirmative steps to, to break up that chain. Um, so the way the licenses are, um, and, and I, I, I will put this at a, a very, at a 30,000 um, foot level. New York makes you pick a lane. New York says, okay, are you going to sell to the community? Are you going to have a shop, um, sell to the community at a shop? Are you going to sell to the community at a consumption space? Are you going to offer delivery or are you going to do things behind the scenes? And what do I, but you can't do both unless. You are a micro license, which of course is going to be capped in, in scale. Um, we don't know the uh, limitations on canopy, et cetera, around that yet because, as we've discussed, 
the seminal yeah. boards have not been formed. Um, but so they will be able to operate um, in a vertically integrated manner. And so will the 10 existing um, medical providers under New York's program. Now, they will have to go through some kind of step, whether it be an auction, a fee, a licensing fee, to participate in this vertically integrated manner. And the funds from that will be used to fund equity programs, which is, which is great. Um, so in choosing a lane, um, New York has said, this is going to open up the opportunities for a variety of different people because you don't need that, you know, $100 million just to open up a license. Now, that being said, it's still really expensive to operate a license. It's still expensive to be in cannabis, um, particularly when you take into things, uh, uh, considerations like real estate in New York, labor in New York. Um, <laughs> let me say that again, real estate in New York. Um, and, and, and even the best laid equity programs and incubation programs are not going to get over the hurdle that funding is needed. But um, identifying licenses where people maybe need less capital to get involved is going to be crucial. Um, I also really hope in regulations, one of my greatest hopes is, and, and you know, we've all lived in New York. I'm a native New Yorker. You guys have lived here forever, too. Um, New York is about experiences and nightlife and parties. And one of the things that did not make it into the MRTA, but I really hope comes up in regulation is a, a, a kind of like a pop-up license party. I think that that is also going to bring a lot of creativity to the industry and will give individuals, um, a way to participate that isn't crippling as far as capital is concerned. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see farmers markets, you know, uh, a lot of people are afraid of, you know, corporate cannabis. They think that, you know, there's this big takeover happening and, and they, they long for the days of prohibition. And I, I, you know, that, that worries me because, uh, as we get further and further away from prohibition, I think people forget, you know, that people sat in jail and their homes yep. were raided and their dogs were killed and they were separated from their families and, yeah. you know, all of the injustices of the drug war. Uh, and now people, you know, I've heard so many people say, you know, uh, I love that weed is legal, but I really don't love legal weed. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, maybe just your thoughts on that and, and, and how we can sort of keep, keep the, the grassroots sort of underground vibe if, if, if we want that. You know, I, I think there's a place for dispensaries and corporations and multi-state operators, and then there's a place for more, uh, more local business. I do think that craft cannabis is one of the most important things. And so when you say, rather than a pitfall, I look at opportunities. Um, and the opportunity there would be really focus on the micro licenses, but also focus on, it, it, look, again, it takes a lot of money to play in cannabis. There is undoubtedly going to be a crossover between corporate cannabis and, you know, legacy culture at some point because they have money, they want, you know, there are collaborations left, right, and center. And I just want to assure people that they should realize they probably have more bargaining power than they think. And that's because they are not corporate and because of this very fear you talk about, but also 
I mean, I've never had a great corporate cannabis cannabis experience from an MSL. I just never have. Um, and also don't sign anything without talking to a lawyer. That's the other, like, that's the general pitfall. <laughs> because no, 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 for real. I see yeah. people sign things all the time. Like, you know, guys who, who can grow the hell out of a plant. I would do a lot of work in Massachusetts. And then they're like, hey, I signed this. Can, you know, and now I want to do X or Y or Z. I'm like, you can't. You signed away your rights. You clipped your wings. You limited it. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen people lose their IP, uh, intellectual property yeah. uh, in these deals. So I think that's definitely important. People should lawyer up and, uh, you know, definitely not sign any paperwork or contracts without having it looked over by someone that ha that shares their interests, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, their best exactly. interests. Exactly. <laughs> because the fact of the matter is I see this day after day after day, you know, people who – and I think for generally – the clients I represent, particularly the farmers and the growers, they're like, yeah, they go on a vibe. They kind of, because you've had to manage on a vibe for so long. Um, and sometimes the vibe that corporations serve off is a veil <laughs> and it is, or a mask that is easily torn off. Um, I guess it goes both ways, but I, it's always important to have an attorney in the background. That makes sense. Yeah. Obviously, we're uh, we're running a little long here, but before Bye. we um, before we say goodbye, I wanted to just jump back to equity for a second, if we could, and sure. get your take on. Um, I'm not sure if you heard about this, but uh, New Mexico is one of the five states that passed a legalization bill this year in yep. 2021 alone, and the governor there uh, is outspoken about the idea of passing. Uh, legalization legislation separately from an equity bill. Uh, the the idea there was to pass legalization first, and then it would be easier to get an equity bill through afterwards separately. And I just wanted to get your take on if you think that's a wise approach. Not if you want equity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want equity, you fight for it. You fight what, for what you want. And then, you know, maybe you settle on something, but you don't go out of the gate folding your hand. It, they, they go hand in hand. And I think that um, if you don't demand equity from the jump, you don't get it. I think other sh states have, have shown us how difficult it is to claw back equity and develop equity programs when they're not there from the inception. Um, yes, I don't. I think that that is a very scary proposition if, if you are pro-justice. Yeah, indeed. Now, if people want to contact you uh, to find out more about your work as an attorney, advocate, advisor, uh, and reach out uh, in any way, learn more about your work uh, or hire you, uh, what? how can they get in touch? Amazing. They can email me at hi, H-I at CB Council and Agreed. at CB Council on, on, across social. Sometimes I post stuff. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. And uh, we'd love, we would love to have you back to discuss more of this stuff. I would uh, love to come back. Thank you so much. This is so much fun, guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Christina Bucola, uh, cannabis attorney, advisor, and advocate. Uh, we will be back with more Grow Bud Yourself.
That, that was really cool. I'm glad that we got uh, Christina on the show. Very interesting perspective. Indeed. Lawyers it's crazy man. to me that, you know, they, they legalize cannabis, but there's still all these rules about, you know, uh, how much can you have and where can you have it and when can you grow it and all of that. It's very, it's kind of frustrating, but I'm glad that she was here to, to help us a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And hopefully it was helpful to you, gentle listener. Indeed. Indeed. But what else do we got here? We got other stuff on this show. Yeah, absolutely. We have uh, an amazing interview coming up with entrepreneur Earl Carruthers. Uh, and stick around for our cultivation segment uh, featuring our strain of the fortnight and me talking about transplanting your plants into larger containers, which is probably the single most important thing you can do to boost your yield that you can do right now. Nice, nice. All right, but first we're going to get to this interview, and uh, and might you, uh, why don't you set that up a little bit? Yes, uh, Earl is the owner of the Cannabis Therapy Network, uh, which also uh, runs the Homegrown Weed Summit, which I took part in online uh, during COVID just to help teach people how to grow their own. I think my segment was about uh, designing your grow space, but he had Ed Rosenthal and all kinds of uh, amazing cultivation luminaries on there a bunch of great breeders uh but we'll talk about that with earl uh he is an entrepreneur uh first person of color in michigan with a dispensary uh back in the day uh and uh very interesting life lessons learned and very interesting set of businesses that he's run so i guess without further ado uh let's get to that interview with earl after these messages Hey, you guys, I want to tell you guys about a sponsor of ours, Rocket Seeds. Uh, check them out at rocketseeds.com. They have a ton, I mean, over 500 different varieties of cannabis strains available. Uh, high quality seeds, great genetics. Uh, they ship worldwide, which is very important. Uh, reliable support. And they also ship for a variety of different seed banks. They've got feminized seeds, autoflowering seeds, regular seeds. Uh, CBD seeds. A lot of people are looking for that. So check them out at rocketseeds.com or on Instagram, rocket underscore seeds. They are awesome and we are really happy to have them on as a sponsor. So check them out, blast off, and get your seeds from rocketseeds.com. All right, welcome back to grow bud yourself we have a special guest for you guys today uh we're speaking with earl carruthers he is the owner of the cannabis therapy network uh which is an umbrella of platforms for people that are looking for different things in their cannabis journey so uh earl welcome to the show thank you thank you thank you danny this is um i'm kind of i'm kind of starstruck man. you kind of one of my favorite people in the world I ever wanted to talk to. So this is great. <laughs> wow. I truly appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, we have spoken before I participated uh, in the Homegrown Weed Summit, which is your masterclass uh, teaching people how to grow. But we'll talk about that uh, uh, further into the show. But why don't you take me back and tell me a little bit about your uh, cannabis journey and how you got involved uh, in the cannabis business as an entrepreneur and as a patient and all of it. Yeah, yeah, I will try to keep it short and sweet. It's it's almost like a Netflix movie. Uh, but nevertheless, um, I was playing college football and actually cracked my pelvis. And 
I never wanted to take uh, opioids or any other kind of pain relievers. I wanted something natural. And at the time, I really couldn't find too much. But after college, I ended up uh, becoming a banker, becoming a financial advisor. And then I left that to start my own credit repair business. And then from there, I read a book called Four Hour Workweek, where I got the idea of uh, trying to get a business that could really run by itself that allowed me to do things that I actually want to do in life. And that led me to, you know what, I'm going to create a a business, a a product-based business that is targeted towards sports athletes, um, that is a anti-inflammatory that's natural. So I started Googling, trying to figure out how to create this or what ingredients to put into this natural anti-inflammatory that I was going to target towards sports athletes. And then cannabis came up. And around 2008, 2009, Michigan went medical. And I myself personally thought if I smoke weed, that I will rape white people or something. I, I had true reefer madness. And uh, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was crazy. Um, but at, at that time, I started to take classes on cannabis. I took a six-week course, taught me how to grow, gave me the background about cannabis. And at that point, um, it just removed the veil from my eyes. I actually never knew how wonderful this plant was. And then from there, I started to grow. And in 2009, 2008, you just need to quantify as a patient to grow and to be a caregiver. Um, you just needed five patients or at least one patient up to five patients that assign you as a caregiver plus yourself. So really, you can grow for six people, you plus five other people. I started to do that and I grew a lot more than what my patients could consume. And then that led me to, well, I'm going to start a delivery business. So I started a delivery business and that picked up very quick. And I ended up uh, taking appointments inside of an office because I couldn't get to all the locations that I needed to get to within a day. And then that led me to having a pretty much brick and mortar business and a delivery service at that time. So in um, 2008 and 2009, pretty much really to operate what quote unquote we call dispensaries, which is commonly known as a place that you can go and you can acquire cannabis. And here in Michigan, we were either called like collectives or um, caregiver centers. But pre-2015, 2016, you just pretty much needed to have a medical card as a patient or a caregiver. And kind of there was this enclosed network where as long as you were a patient and I was a patient or you were a caregiver and I was a caregiver or caregiver to patient, we could kind of exchange to each other because by law, a caregiver could receive compensation for the costs associated with growing. And that one clause in the Medical Marijuana Act allowed caregivers to open up and serve multiple different patients, not just the patients that you grew for, but the patients outside of who you grew for who could not acquire cannabis. Maybe they uh, didn't know a caregiver, maybe their caregiver had a bad harvest, um, or maybe their caregiver did not have the type of cannabis that was good for their condition. So this is kind of this natural, organic robust medical market here in Michigan between 2008 and 2015. Yeah. And uh, apparently you, at some point, uh, were pursued by law enforcement. Yeah, that was cute, man. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the cases that uh, came up ended up in the state uh, of Michigan Supreme Court uh with, uh, you know, even changing the legal definition of edibles. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So speaking of, so how all that came into play with law enforcement was really between, depending on if you ever drove on a freeway where it's kind of like raining on one side of the street and it's not raining on the other. That's kind of how it was here in between 2008 and 2015, where some counties were pro-cannabis and some were not. 
Um, and at the time we had an attorney general and we had a governor um, at the time that wasn't really pro-cannabis and the attorney general was definitely, um, Bill Schutte was anti-cannabis. So he, he did not want the bill to pass. So depending on what prosecutor was in your county, if they also was tied with the attorney general, they decided to, you know what, we're going to just raid these businesses and then let the courts figure it out. Because in their interpretation, they were saying that, you no, know, a caregiver can only assist the five patients that you grow for. Even though the law said a caregiver can assist a patient, they said, no, the word a meant the. So that really was like this massacre um, of just raiding people, people going to jail, people uh, getting records. It was like there was people who legitimately, like myself, got into the medical business to legitimately run a medical business, not to you know, be this low-key slide drug dealer with a business card with your name and your phone number on it where they can easily find you. Uh, that, that was not the, the goal. So yeah, so then um, that, by me operating that, that's where we got raided because a cop came in with a fake ID, uh, with a fake medical marijuana card, um, signed our agreement um, as a collective to abide by these rules. And it came with a fake cashier's check to show that they were legitimate patients. Because as a collective, we can only serve actual patients. So we want to make sure we weren't serving you know, anybody just off the streets or you know, kids and like, like coming in. It was legitimate. You had to be a patient. There was a check-in. We verified your paperwork and then you came in. So the cop came in with all those fake credentials, came in, made a couple small purchases, and a couple weeks later, we were raided. And then we had to take that case, uh, that, that case to court. End up getting a dismissed uh, five, six later based, based upon entrapment. Uh, that got appealed. And then we had to appeal that, end up going to su Supreme Court for that. That's like case number one. Case number two um, was, I mentioned earlier, I started a delivery service. So when early in the service, I actually was driving to a delivery, leaving a restaurant that actually, I got my car valet, they turned off my lights, I got into the car, didn't realize my lights were off because I'm used to them being automatic. Um, drive up, pull up to the delivery, I'll get pulled over. And this is really my first experience of uh, driving while black. I, I really didn't, um, I never had a criminal record. Again, I was a banker, um, I had a clean record. I've never had any kind of encounters with law enforcement. And I, they pretty much took me out the car, um, put me back in a police car, started searching my car, which was unconstitutional. But at, at the end of the day, in the back of my trunk, I had a briefcase or a backpack of the products that I'll carry around because I was a delivery driver. Um, but I had under my legal limit, I had, uh, I could carry 15 ounces of flour. I had about seven to eight ounces of flour in separate mason jars. So you couldn't really smell it when you put up anyway. Um, but I had two dozen brownies. So um, after I, I got arrested, they found the weed, they ended up taking me to jail anyways. And also the person who I was driving with. Um, and we sat in there for about two to three days, because they can hold you that long without charging you, end up letting us go after we got interrogated. And then six to eight months later, they, I got um, charged with possession with intent to deliver because they decided to weigh each brownie as full weed. So it took me over my 15 ounce limit, which I had seven ounces flour and a couple dozen brownies to having almost 80 ounces of cannabis. So at that time, they were charging me just as if I was a regular person from the street without a medical marijuana card. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And actually uh, ends up changing that definition. Uh, I would imagine so that uh, an edible isn't just 
based on its weight, but but probably on the dosage, <laughs> I guess that's yeah. uh, that's involved. That drives me nuts when they do that. And obviously, horrible in, in that case, but you know they do it with bags or whatever the container that you know they add weight to. That just drives me nuts. I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, tell me now, your primary brand is Cannabis Therapy Network, and that name alone is very uh, interesting to me because of, of the word therapy. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, that brand and how you came to, to start that up and, and, and what that entails. Yeah, um, actually, I, I believe cannabis is, used, is best used as a therapeutic remedy. Um, I understand we got the word medical and we have the word um, adult use or recreational. Uh, to me, I think the common middle ground is just is just simple using cannabis as as therapy. Whether you need to calm down because your kids are getting on your damn nerves, or um, maybe you just want to um, unwind at night or 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 get some help to sleep, or maybe you need something to help you get aroused. So it's all therapeutic uh, in 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 my point of view, and that's always why I consumed it. How the name came about was actually when we got raided. <laughs> Uh, we, we were called Green Greener Grow, um, and mainly because I only intended to actually grow. I just made up a you know uh, a business name, Green Greener Grow. It sounds cool. Um, after getting raided, it wasn't just like you no know, TV Law and Order where you know one day you get raided, one day you're in court. It was like when you get raided, man, they took all my possessions. They took my cars. They took uh, they raided my house, went into my safe, froze all my bank accounts. I literally had pennies to my name at that time, and it was a real dark, dark place to be. And it was either I was just going to really become this statistic, really kind of just another black man in jail who um, gets goes to jail, comes out with a record and just keeps repeating that cycle. Or I was going to try to figure out how to survive this storm. And I decided to actually still operate. Um, I ended up going and finding a different location in the county that was more pro cannabis, a.k.a. Detroit. So uh, yeah, I moved in into eight mile and I kept operating, but I, I didn't want to operate as I was still fighting court cases as Green Green and Grow. So I changed the name to G3 because there's three names and Green Green and Grow. Um, and then after uh, G3 um, came about, I actually uh, started to open up. I, I end up um, opening up another location called Taste Buds and then another location called Herbs. So yeah, I, I was on my way to actually, you know, have three, four, five locations uh, building this up. And then at the time, the city started to come in and regulate because in Detroit, because it was so pro-cannabis, they went from having 12, 15 stores to over three to 400 stores just in the city. And then, you know, with three, 400 stores just in one city, I mean, to, to put that in perspective, there's like three, 400 in the state right now. We had it just in the city of Detroit. And you know, that's a lot of stores, a lot of green crosses everywhere. So the citizens started to complain. And then the city um, decided to regulate these businesses as caregiver centers, and you had to qualify to get a business license as a caregiver center. I had one of those three locations actually qualify. So I got my city license about 2016, and then the state came in. The state said, well, you know what? We're gonna regulate medical marijuana and, it, and, and on, on a commercial level, and it doesn't matter what city license you have, you need to come get your state license. So whether all that, put all my uh, chips in, 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 the, in the bucket there, what, you know, pretty much, you know, hustling here, just get, it costs over about six figures to get the city license, which I did not have, but you know, I'm, I'm just hustling, working hard, whatever I made, I put back into the business because I saw the long-term vision and then all that meant nothing. 
you had to go through the state. And then, and then to go through the state, um, you had to pretty much go over those hurdles, which cost around 250 to 300. So nevertheless, I get through all that. I actually get to the state board and we get denied based upon character. So at that point, it was just like, well, now I went, I'm on a radar. I got this location here. Now do I do? Um, so I ended up having to shut down. So the next idea was, all right, well, I don't want to give up. I feel like I should be able to have some kind of stake in this industry. What business can I start? Um, and then I felt like there's still a need to teach people how to use cannabis as therapy, whether it's through growing, whether it is through consuming, or whether it is just the knowledge of the product itself. And then that's where the name Cannabis Therapy Network came in. So that's a long-winded answer to <laughs> It has just come out of nowhere. So yeah, that's it. So, and there's a number of platforms there. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about uh, the different platforms that are all a part of Cannabis Therapy Network? Yeah. So um, as, I mean, really the, as through the journey, I, it was just kind of a problem solution, problem solution, problem solution. And as I kept coming through different problems, I ended up creating a different brand that kind of solved uh, that problem. So the um, next company that, that, that came about was a private club, um, this craft cannabis club. It's a it's a private club because I foresaw that in Detroit um, and in Michigan, they were going to license consumption lounges at some point. And I felt like there also needed to be a place where like-minded people can come together and at least connect, share resources. And a long-term vision is to get the consumption license. Um, but for now, it's a place where those who do consume can comfortably be around other mature cannabis consumers. Because sometimes you go to a cannabis club and it kind of, you know, you feels kind of shady. You're looking over your shoulder sometimes, or, you know, you know, I wanted something that was more elegant, something that was more mature where people can come together, be themselves, whether you're a working professional or um, whether, you know, you're not, it's just you come together. It's all about the community and the vibes. And I felt like if I had a community around me and through that journey, things would have been different. And I didn't want that to happen to someone else. So I felt like if we all came together and stopped dividing that we could do more as a group. And that kind of was a purpose of the private club. So that's Craft Canvas Club. And the um, other brand is, is Tiggity, which is a online cannabis journal to help people find products based upon their desired intentions. So if you're looking for something to help you sleep or you're looking for something that's good for pain relief, um, you're looking for something that can give you uplifted, that's what this Tiggity is for. And Reason why that came about because indica sativa is kind of fake news to tell you how a plant's going to make you feel. It's true how a plant is going to look, and even though a lot of there's a lot of hybrids, it's something indica dominant, sativa dominant. It can tell you how a plant may grow, how a plant may look as far as genetics, but it doesn't necessarily tell you how it's going to make you feel if you consume it. And to me, the best way to do that was really one-on-one, -on -one, personal. I smoked this. This is what I got from it. Um, and to collect that data and create this algorithm where so many people tried this. Um, for example, I tried this and do you recommend it for appetite? Yes or no. Do you recommend this for lift, uh, for uplifting your mood? Yes or no. Do you recommend this for getting into the flow, being creative uh, for writing? Yes or no. Um, how about do you recommend this for helping you sleep or did it make you, you know, stay up all night? Yes or no. So depending on how many people keep saying yeses and nos, depends now when you come in, we can tell you, look, this many people made this, this many journals which is called the Tiggity. Um, and what the Tiggity is, what is the recommended mood and effect? Um, so as people do journal, 
we collect that data and we can recommend it based upon how many people said, I recommend this for this effect versus um, this effect here. So yeah, so that's kind of tiggity. Was that make sense? That makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and what about um, the Cannabis Therapy Podcast? So yeah, so the uh, the podcast, I feel like, you know, there are some podcasts and, and there are some Johnny Come Latenies who have not really been part of the industry. I know you're one of the uh, longtime heroes here uh, in the industry, but I feel like there's there need to be more of a voice of us that have really been through this and not just people who are here just to come make a quick buck, but people who have been here um, through the movement. And that's where the podcast came from. The actually, And then the podcast, we industry, we interview other experts that help teach people how to use cannabis from a therapeutic point of view. So whether it's from the history, whether it is about how to, to do things yourself, how to grow yourself, how to make your own uh, cannabis products. We get into the science, we get into the business uh, of the business of cannabis. Everything is mainly from a therapeutic point of view. So that's that. And then uh, Homegrown Weed Summit, um, we did a interview there. Uh, the Homegrown Weed Summit came about because as I went to different conferences, I saw a lot of conversations about growing, but it was always about like mass produced big commercial growth. Um, 10,000 plants, 5,000, uh, 20,000 plants. What if I just want to grow four plants? How about that? Um, where, where was the knowledge? Where was the information? Where, where were the resources to be able to grow at home? And if you go online, you go on YouTube, there's so many conflicting opinions, you know, so many egos, you know, my grow is better than your grow. It was just like, you know what? How about we come together and just a bunch of different experts talk about what works best for you and then allow people to pick and choose what's good for their situation because everyone's situation is different. So that was a homegrown we summit to get together 30 plus home grow, experienced home growers come together and teach what they know best about growing and then put that all together in like an A to Z booklet on how to grow from 35 to 40 different people. So that was a summit. Yeah, it was it was really a pleasure to be a part of that. And uh, and I love the concept of being able to teach people to just grow four or five plants. It's it's really been the one thing I push hardest is is home grow because everyone's so worried about corporate cannabis and the multi-state operators and everything else. And this is a perfect way not to have to deal with that and have the highest quality, but it's very hard to find the information. I mean, it's the reason I wrote my book and do the show. And, you know, there's, I, I participated, but you also had uh, uh, Milo from Big Buddha, uh, Swerve, uh, Ed Rosenthal, DJ Short, uh, Remo. So, you know, Tommy Chong, I think was involved. As <laughs> yeah, well. yeah, so you yeah, had, a, yeah. you had like, you know, luminaries in the cultivation world, uh, people who I, you know, are, I respect and, and you know, have spoken to about these sort of things. And, you know, they're experts and they're uh, giving their knowledge to the home grower. And I think, like you said, it's so, so important because uh, it's, it's just such a nice alternative to uh, mass produced cannabis. So uh, yeah, that was really cool to be a part of that. And right now it's sort of a waitlist uh, program, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we uh, plan on launching it two to three times a year. Um, the next launch is going to be in September. Uh, you can go to homegrownweesummit.com and actually get on a waitlist. Um, the goal is to kind of launch it, all right, kind of revamp it, learn it, get some feedback from some surveys, and then make it better for the next time. Because we really want people to be able to go through the summit and be able to take action from the summit. It's not just, you know, we're just talking just to talk, but we're actually trying to teach you how to actually grow. And the conference is free. I mean, you can just 
go through the whole conference, watch the replays, take what you like, and then hopefully you can take action to plant your first seed or maybe improve your existing growth. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, for people who are more interested in uh, CBD uh, or non-psychoactive nature of hemp, you have the craft hemp box as well. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. So um, part of it with with uh, with COVID, when, when COVID happened, we I had opened a private club, the, the Craft Cannabis Club uh, pre-COVID. And then when COVID happened, uh, people who were paying dues, I mean, you're not coming to the club anymore. Um, so we started to do a, a gift box for them. So everybody who came in, they got this, this hemp box, um, this craft hemp box, and everybody loved it. So then the idea was like, well, I mean, if everybody here locally loves it, how about we just start shipping these boxes? So, um, and then, and, and one of the reasons why they loved it, because there's a lot of, you know, fake CBD stuff. There's, um, there's a lot of fake news about CBD. There's, there's products that, there's a couple articles I've read before where they actually try to test various different products. And some of them actually didn't even have CBD in it. So uh, we're, we're actually curating and the quality of these products and we're putting them in the gift boxes. So if a product is in the craft hemp box, it is something that we tried, something we know has been tested and we got feedback that it actually has helped someone. Uh, and we're doing it for 50 bucks a month. So yeah, so that, that, that was the goal for the, the craft hemp box. Nice. Nice. Um, uh, I, you know, I noticed another thing that uh, you do at Cannabis Therapy Network is cons consultations. Now, is that something people can just book online with you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually um, will take people to, we, we will teach people. I'm actually going to uh, turn it into a course, uh, to, to, to be honest with you. Um, I'm going to turn it into a course just to help people understand cannabis. Really like the top three things you kind of need to know and beyond about consuming. For those who are kind of curious, there's a lot of people in this industry to me are still curious about cannabis. Some people had a bad taste in their mouth. Maybe they had that brownie that they just didn't know how dangerous that brownie was. And then they never went back to cannabis because they had that bad experience. So with, with the consultation, we, we, we will teach you about dosing. Uh, we will teach you about, is cannabis right for you to start off with? Um, it's, it's not right for everybody. So kind of what to expect if you are going to consume cannabis, how to dose it, um, and then also what to expect on how it's gonna make you feel and to be conscious of cannabis to where it's not just getting high to get high, but you know what, if you're conscious enough, you can see, oh, this is helping me calm, or this is good for pain relief, or this is good uh, for lifting my mood and journaling that. So you're using cannabis from a therapeutic point of view. So yeah, so we, we do do uh, consultations, whether it's personal, um, and we also do uh, the same if you're learning how to grow as well. That's awesome, that's awesome. Well, uh, tell me how people can find out more uh, about uh, the cannabis therapy program and, and sign up for mailing lists and things like that? Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Uh, I mean, the, the umbrella brand, like you said earlier, is Cannabis Therapy Network. And that is the umbrella brand over all the other brands. And all these brands are here to help people consume cannabis more comfortably so that along their journey, um, they can have a comfortable experience. And the, the main point of this is to help normalize cannabis again is to make help cannabis as therapy normal again it was always therapeutic at some point and then we had this whack-ass war on drugs and then now we're trying to make it you know back to being therapeutic so hopefully all these brands come together for that mission to help make cannabis therapy normal again uh, you go to craft cannabis i'm sorry cannabis therapy network.org uh, cannabis therapy network.org 
um, and you can sign up for our free resources there. We have uh, free giveaways, downloads to really help you learn everything that we're trying to teach. We're not just trying to talk just to talk. So if you go to canvastherapynetwork.org, and then from there, you can explore different brands. If you're looking to grow, there's a Homegrown We Summit. If you're looking for a community, uh, whether it is online or it's physical, if you're local in uh, Detroit, you go to Craft Cannabis Club. If you're looking to start journaling, you got Tiggity, um, what's the Tiggity.com. Um, and yeah, so everything starts though at cannabistherapynetwork.org. That's awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for being a pioneer in the cannabis industry for over a decade uh, and being able to pivot, you know, when the industry, <laughs> when the industry throws, you know, things in front of you, uh, you're able to pivot. I think maybe there's the, the athletic background as well, <laughs> helping with that. Um, but yeah, man, uh, keep up the great work. Thank you, Danny. Uh, first, and this has been an honor. Like, honestly, I've listened to your podcast all the time. I love the, the sports players that you try to put with your, uh, with your episode number. Uh, I'm curious. (laughs) That's awesome. So thank you, Earl. Um, We will be back with more Grow Bud Yourself after these messages. Hey guys, I want to tell you about Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. They have an incredible line of organic fertilizers, a brand new legacy line as well, which is organic and some synthetics. A lot of really incredible tools for the modern gardener. So check them out at sweetleaf.com, S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off of everything that you can get at Sweet Leaf, which also includes uh, complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits, uh, a bunch of different apparel and merch, and their signature line of amazing nutrients. If you join our Patreon, uh, you can get even more codes for 20 or even 25% off of Sweetleaf Newts and other products. I want to thank them for being a sponsor, and as always, tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. All right, welcome back, and uh, thank you to Earl for the interview. That was great. Uh, check out his sites and uh, learn more about cannabis. Good stuff. Uh, a lot of stuff going on yeah, there. He's got right? a got a lot going. Yeah, indeed, it's he's exciting. an entrepreneur. You yeah. know, you gotta see what works and what uh, takes off. So that's pretty cool. And it was fun to be a part of that uh, home growing uh, summit thing as well. You know, just. Um, anything we can do to spread the message and the word of home grow is what we do. And that brings us to the cultivation segment. Uh, so, you know, we got through the legal stuff and the business stuff. Oh, Therefore, wait, 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 do you hear that? <laughs> and yes, this is a fortnight. And yes, this is a fortnight. Strain of the fortnight. What do you got for us this week? Strain of the fortnight. Strain of the Fortnite. Ah, uh, yeah. All <laughs> right. So, what do, you, what do you got? It's Strain of the Fortnite. Uh, yes. What strain do you have for us this time? Well, first, I should mention that it, the strain is brought to you by Rocket Seeds. 
Uh, you can check them out at rocketseeds.com. Uh, you can call them toll-free at 800-805-7835. They've got uh, 500 new strains to shop for, including our strain of the fortnight uh, for this week. So uh, check out rocketseeds.com. And the strain of the fortnight this fortnight is White Runts Autoflower. Uh, and this is an interesting strain, White Runts. It's a, actually a, a cross of gelato and uh, Skittles. Uh, which was a subject of a uh, lawsuit recently, these Gittles strain. Um, but White Runs is really uh, one of those, you know, it's kind of trendy, but for all the right reasons, because it is strong, uh, up to 24% THC. Uh, but besides that, very delicious and uh, a long-lasting high, which I find a lot of the sort of more trendy strains uh, taste good, and but don't, just don't pack the punch. You get about a 20-minute, 30-minute high. Uh, white runs, you, you get a longer lasting high. You get a couple of hours out of that. Um, and, I, you know, I figured the autos uh, would be good for this time because uh, it's a little late in the game to start planting uh, regular seeds if you're doing outdoors or any kind of, you know, if you're trying to take advantage of uh, the sunshine out there. Uh, but you can get these autos and plant them today and harvest them in about uh, 80 to 90 days, which is pretty amazing. Uh, and... They're affordable too. I mean, a five pack is like 65 bucks or something. That's not bad. Uh, you can get 25 of them for 240 bucks. Uh, this is from Rocket Seeds. But, you know, uh, as far as the effects, uh, people definitely, it's very uplifting. So people with uh, depression, ADHD, uh, anything like that will enjoy that. And for body uh, calming, it's good too. So joint pain, uh, fatigue, headaches, uh, just general stress you know even as earl mentioned it's like you know you're looking for that thing that's therapeutic for you uh and white runs definitely has uh you know some some benefits and also uh you know increased appetite uh and a little bit of drowsiness so if you have insomnia or uh trouble eating you know you definitely get the munchies from this um for growers uh it's pretty pretty stable hybrid uh you want to have cooler temperatures with the strain. Uh, high heat just is not going to give you the terpene profile that you want. Uh, also, excess moisture uh, can cause mold problems. So you want to make sure you're not uh, over 50% really. And, you know, for the most part, around 40% or so relative humidity uh, if you're growing a room full of white runts. Uh, rather than going up to like 60 and risking uh, issues with mold or, or bud rot or anything like that. Uh, yeah, so it's auto, so you just plant it, walk away, keep it watered, uh, keep that sunshine coming, feed it when necessary, and, uh, harvest in technically, you know, about 90 days or so, 80 to 90 days from when you plant. So if you're growing it outdoors now, like you plant it now, uh, you'll probably be harvesting probably right around end of September or so. So you're getting in a, hopefully before uh any frost or any kind of mold issues that you get from from humidity in the air uh if you're growing them outdoors indoors you know just keep them happy with the uh cooler temperatures and you'll have a great result
All right, sounds great. Excellent strain of the Fortnite. And as Dan mentioned, go check out Rocket Seeds. They've got great offers on strains, including our strain of the Fortnite. And now it is time, as our listeners know, for our grow tip. Each week, Dan likes to discuss an aspect of cultivation that will help you become a better grower. So what do you want to take on this week? Yeah, so this week I want to talk about transplanting and give you guys basically a step-by-step for doing this in the best possible manner and also at the right time. So um, I'm always harping about the size of the container. It's really important that, you know, you don't be growing root-bound plants. Uh, and by root-bound, I mean like where the roots have coiled all the way around and are, are, are basically co- confined to the space of your container so much so that they take up the whole container using up, you know, everything. And, and, um, you know, that's why I don't, you know, I don't like when people have, uh, big plants in small containers, uh, it just, you're just not going to get the most out of it. So if you have a gallon container and you veg in that, in that container for a month, uh, you're going to wind up with a much smaller yield than if you just used a five gallon container. And the way to do that is to transplant and the time to do that is prior to the plant becoming root bound. Now, if the plant is root bound, you have to transplant it. That's automatic. But what you wanna do is avoid that by transplanting strategically at the right time. And also definitely before any sort of flowering time kicks in. So this is something that you do as the plant gets larger. You have your seedling in a smaller, you know, you could have it in a cup or a container uh, that, that you hand water and then you transplant that into a larger container uh, for the vegging cycle and then transplant that into yet a larger container prior to flowering. Uh, But all these things need to be done, like I said, at the right time and done gently. So taking the care to do this without stress uh, will definitely make sure that the plant is super duper healthy and the roots are happy uh, and more root, more fruit, as we always say. So Uh, First thing is to gather the stuff together. You want the new container that the plants are going in. Uh, You want your growing medium uh, there. You want uh, a good amount of just plain water uh, and a little like shovel kind of thing to help you with the soil. So uh, the first thing you do is you prepare the new container because you don't want to pull the plant out of its container without it already having a home to go into. Uh, you don't want those roots exposed or, or dangling around for too long. So uh, prepare the new container, the larger container. Uh, put the medium in as high as basically the size of the container that you're coming out of. Uh, when you transplant, it's also not a bad time to add a little extra soil if you have like a plant that has stretched and doesn't have nodes uh, down below uh, for a couple of inches. You can you can fill that up a little extra and have that plant be uh, sunk a little lower uh, and that'll give you a little bit of extra space depending on if you have space issues. But uh, now that your new container is prepared uh, with some growing medium in there uh, with enough space for your root ball and uh, extra medium that you're going to be using, uh, now you want to thoroughly wet the medium in the existing container. So your plant that you have already, you don't want to be pulling it out of there uh, with a dry uh, medium because it'll all kind of fall apart and the roots will be exposed and that's not ideal at all. So wet that medium uh, until it's thoroughly soaked all the way through uh, and that's when you're ready to start removing it from the pot without uh, without that medium falling apart which can be quite disastrous and damage the roots and 
just is not a good thing. So uh, removing the plant from its pot kind of depends on what type of pot you use. Uh, but typically most people just use like simple plastic square pots. Uh, and the best thing you can do is invert the plant upside down very gently uh, to try to remove it from the container, but holding with one hand very carefully uh, underneath. Uh, you might need to lightly tap on the bottom or kind of loosen the plastic from the soil if it's very root bound, the, the roots can tend to cling to the plastic, uh, but you just want to loosely get that pot off uh, and make sure that you're holding the plant at its base as well uh, and place your hand basically flat with the main stem of the plant between your fingers so you can hold it as it comes out of the pot and, and pushes out of there and, and nothing kind of falls apart. You don't want the any damage to the roots and you don't want any damage to the plant. So um, then you want to gently re-invert the plant uh, and pl gently place that plant with the root ball down into the new container, uh, situate it into the medium where you want it, try to get it nice and centered. Uh, and then uh, you fill up the rest of the pot, backfill the remaining space in the container with your growing medium. Uh, make sure to tamp it down a little bit too gently uh, because you, you don't want to have air pockets in there when you water and have that all collapse and stuff. So uh, get that medium in. Uh, we call that backfilling basically. Uh, backfill the pot. Uh, push that grow medium down. Make sure the, you know, the surface is generally pretty horizontal or whatever you want to say, like solid there. Uh, and then you want to add water again uh, to help the plant settle into its new home uh, by watering it with plain pH balanced water. Uh, the, the thing here is also if the plant was root bound, it doesn't hurt to sort of gently pull some of those roots apart uh, before you place it down into your medium. Because uh, what happens is the plant can tend to uh, stay within the confines of its old container if it's super root bound and those roots just don't in some cases just don't uh, emerge out of that shape uh, into the fresh new soil for whatever reason they're just stuck uh, at, because of it being root bound and so in that case uh, if you do feel like they're they're curling all around the container and, and very much still in that uh, in that shape uh, I would loosen gently loosen some of those roots up uh, before placing it into the new container. But that uh, just that simple act of transplanting your plant into a larger container with fresh medium uh, really can hugely increase the yield. And also it reduces the amount of nutrients you have to feed the plant as well because all that fresh new soil, you can just use plain water for a week or two minimum uh, because the plant's gonna be now uh, taking in all those fresh new nutrients. And you'll see, uh, you'll, you will see the uh, plant just within you know a week or so of the transplant uh, once it's settled into its new soil just the growth rates and everything just increased and very happy plants uh, when the roots get new soil like that so that is the transplanting 101 we're going to do a video uh, that we're going to put up on patreon where i'm going to actually go through the process on video for our patreon supporters and uh and I'll show you guys the step-by-step -step just straight through. So please do join us at patreon.com slash Danny Danko if you want to see the video of that transplantation process and a bunch more uh, stuff that's exclusive to our Patreon supporters. So that is the grow tip. And now I think it's time for some questions from the listeners, right, Mike? Why, yes, Dan, it is. 
<laughs> cool. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Excellent grow tip. And it is time to take some, uh, some questions from our listeners. And if you are a listener with a question, get in touch with us. Uh, you could email us info at growbudyourself.com. Uh, let's get started here. Absolutely. All right. First up, we have Chris. He writes, Hey, Danny and Mike, I have two questions that I haven't been able to find an answer to. Uh, first, I know you recommend testing the pH of your water before and after nutrients, but I haven't found a pH tester that doesn't have at least several negative reviews as to their accuracy. Now, I don't mind shelling out decent money for a tester, but I prefer not to waste it. Could you give me some recommendations for a couple that you have had good results with? And secondly, uh, do you have any recommendations on how to control odors when drying and trimming the harvest? Uh, really enjoying the show. Keep up the great work. So what would you say to Chris? Yeah, um, as far as pH meters for water, uh, you know, the more you spend, the the higher the quality is going to be. Uh, if you're growing hydroponically, you want to monitor that at all times. So, you know, you want to get something that's uh, a digital monitor with temperature, parts per million, uh, and... Uh, pH all built in. Hanna Instruments makes a great one. It's expensive, but if you're growing hydro, uh, you really, you know, the the reservoir, you have to monitor everything in your reservoir and uh, it's worth it to have something like that. Uh, if you're hand watering, you know, out of a bucket, I would say, you know, there's some great products out there. Uh, Blue Lab makes a good one. Uh, X-Tech. I would avoid really cheap options that you see on Amazon or something like that. If it's like, seems too good to be true, it's probably uh, going to fail more often than not. And the problem with that is you just have, have way too much entrusted to a very cheap piece of technology. Uh, another thing, you know, obviously people that are complaining online uh, may be having issues because they're not calibrating their instruments enough. And you absolutely have to calibrate these things. Um, meaning, you know, you have to buy bottles of, uh, pH four and, you know, pH 11 or whatever it is, and then basically use those, uh, acidic or alkaline formulas to, uh, calibrate the pen itself to make sure it's still accurate because over time they just start to be off and calibration is super important and probably something we as like stoners don't do as often as we should you know replacing bulbs calibrating these pens uh when these things fail it's catastrophic and you know when you're entrusting that to something that's you know 12 bucks on amazon and you could have spent uh you know 100 bucks on something uh that is just far more accurate i say spend the 100 bucks and do the calibration um so you know if i had to pick one thing you know hannah instruments has been around forever uh, they make a great meter. Uh, they have good customer service. Some of these Amazon companies, you don't know what's going on with them. So uh, spend the money, you know? I mean, there's not that many things when you're growing for your own, you know, home grow purposes. There's not that many things you need. Uh, and, you know, those things that you do need, why not upgrade those to uh, something that you don't have to worry about, you know? Go for the gold. Those guys make a good meter. All right, you heard it here first. And uh, and there was another there was another question from uh, from Chris, correct? Yes. Uh, controlling odors during drying and trimming the harvest, and this is the time when obviously the odors are at their highest. 
And this is a tough thing. You know, you definitely need uh, air filtration, charcoal filtration. That will definitely reduce the odor uh, so that anything you're drying and trimming, the room that you're drying and trimming in is being exhausted. The air in there is being exhausted through charcoal filtration, activated charcoal. Uh, that'll reduce odor for sure. And also the permeation of that odor. The odor tends to go under cracks and out of uh, things like that. So if you're sucking air out of the room through charcoal, uh, you're not allowing it to dissipate outwardly as well. But there's also, you know, Ona products that uh, mask odor. Uh, our friends Tommy and Elaine <laughs> love to do the slow cooker and get some like nice onions and garlic and, and stuff going with the slow cooker that can be a good, you know, 10, 12 hours of uh, a permeating odor of you know pot roast or whatever you you throw in there instead of the cannabis smell uh but there's lots of different stuff you can do to suppress that but again it's the time when those odors are at their strongest so uh if you have unexpected visitors during that period like you know that's what you want to avoid because sometimes the smell is just a telltale smell and it narks you out and it's just too much <laughs> I mean, that's the reality of the situation when you're drying and curing, especially in an apartment or any type of situation with neighbors nearby or nosy, unexpected visitors. All right. Well, there you go. We hope that helps you out there, Chris, both with the meters and with the odors. Okay, let's move on to Stan from Virginia. And uh, as we mentioned earlier in the show, Virginia goes legal July 1st. So very exciting. Uh, Stan and other Virginians, Virginians. Uh, can possess up to an ounce of pot starting next week, so that's great. And Stan writes, uh, Danny and Mike, first, uh, let me thank you both and all of your wonderful guests for the podcast. Uh, my questions are, assuming water and any additives are the correct pH before they go into indoor plants in soil or soilless mix, is there any risk in... Mixing a five-gallon or more batch of water with nutrients and watering from it over a period of days or weeks if it's a bigger vessel. Assuming the vessel is covered tightly and in a cool, dark place, is there any risk of nutrient degradation or other non-pH issues? If there are risks, could they be minimized by aerating uh, with one of those aquarium doodads? So, does Stan need a doodad? Uh, <laughs> Uh, second question is, again, uh, assuming correct pH right before watering, is it okay to use different types of water on different days or at different growth stages? For example, uh, could I water with tap water one day, RO without newts the next, and rainwater with newts a third? Or does cannabis thrive on consistency in this regard? Um, thanks again. Keep it up. So, so yeah, what would you say to Stan? great couple of questions and congratulations uh on the law in virginia and thanks for your support of the show that's awesome um i i'm not a big fan of mixing nutrients uh f up for long periods of time uh particularly because i'm you know more prone to using organic nutrients uh which tend to degrade a bit over time and things like that when they're added to water uh and change like you said not just ph uh but uh uh, degrade or cause, you know, all kinds of things. Now, if it's in a cool, dark place, you're definitely better off. Um, oxygenating the water keeps it moving. And if you're doing something like a compost tea, uh, definitely helps increase, uh, microbacterial activity and, and all of that. But you don't want to do that for more than 24 hours. Um, I certainly 
don't I'm not against mixing some newts up and having them sit around for a couple of days uh, but weeks is definitely not something I would do and also you know I just I prefer to just mix batches up fresh uh, as needed I think that's probably the best way I think that's the healthiest that's the way um, you're not going to have any problems with uh, as you said like nutrient degradation uh, pH fluctuation even the temperature of the water, you know, I mean, that's important as well. So that's why I like to mix them uh, as needed. And uh, if you're doing it with synthetic nutrients, like a hydroponic system, that's a little different. Uh, those things are more stable. They can sit around for a longer period of time. Uh, but again, I don't recommend that. I would go with organic. And organic tends to not like to sit around uh, in water and things like this settles and you get all kinds of issues. So uh, I would just mix to order. As far as, uh, you know, using different types of water on different days, uh, cannabis is fine with that as long as, like, the tap water is not awful uh, and the rainwater isn't bad, uh, which tends to be a slightly on the more acidic side. But with the pH, right, I mean, I would say if you have access to RO water, I would use that. Uh, RO with or without newts, basically back to back, uh, you know, RO without newts, uh, which is reverse osmosis for people listening, um, water that's gone through the treatment that basically pulls almost all particulates out. So uh, I would go, if you have the opportunity to have RO water, I would use reverse osmosis water uh, and, and basically either use it without nutrients when not necessary or with newts when necessary. But uh, messing around with tap water and rainwater and mixing things up like that, I think, uh, might be a recipe for disaster and just kind of, kind of confusing. So yeah, I guess, uh, consistency would, would be best. All right. Danko in favor of consistency. Um, you know, unfortunately we are out of time here, but, uh, there is more Q and A to be had. So if you want to join us over on Patreon, we will be doing a bonus Q and A over there. Uh, to everybody else, thank you so much for writing in, even to Herbert Huckabee. We appreciate everybody's input and questions. <laughs> um, if you have a question that you would like answered on the show, do email us. Uh, that is, once again, info at growbudyourself.com. Uh, what do you say we take a little break, come back, and wrap it up? Let's do it. All right, welcome back, and it's time to wrap up the show, number 59. Uh, wrap it up, uh, roll it into a joint and smoke it, I guess. That's a nice way to end it. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank uh, Excelsior Extracts, Rocket Seeds, and uh, Sweet Leaf Nutrients as our sponsors. You guys are awesome, and uh, uh, we love the product, so uh, we thank you for your support. I want to thank our Patreon uh, supporters. We are up to 70, I believe, as of the taping of this episode. And uh, that's just really heartening and very uh, just warms my heart to know that you guys uh, support the show in that way. Uh, for as little as $4.20 a month, you can support it too if you're not there uh, joining that community. So please do. And, uh, you know, subscribe on YouTube and check out our website, growbudyourself.com. We're, we're we're, we got some merch coming in the near future. We're, we're figuring out some merch. Uh, I was Forget able to that. get a water bottle and I think a coffee mug. So 
Um, we're working on that as well. We hope you guys will support us by buying some merch. Uh, but anyway, this is 59. Uh, next week, is we're back with episode number 60. I want to thank uh, Christina Bucola, uh, lawyer extraordinaire, and uh, entrepreneur Earl Carruthers for being on the show. Uh, Jacqueline Winstrong, my co-host and producer, and buddy Mike, and all of you guys for sticking with us and enjoying the show and supporting it and spreading the word. I think that's a wrap right there, unless Mike has anything to say. Why don't we uh, use some foreign sticky substances uh, (laughs) to end the ninth inning and put this one in the books. I'm smart. Mm -hmm. And I want respect. You deserve it.